everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Greetings, amigos, and Andres. Andres? Is that a... Andre the Giant? Yeah. Hello, Andre the Giant. How are you going? Anybody uh... want a peanut? <laughs> I'm sorry, Moonraker. This is the only way. What? Wasn't Andre the Giant in Moonraker? I don't think so. I think you're thinking of Jaws, and I don't think Andre the Giant played Jaws. You don't know that, though. He played Fezzik in The Princess Bride, and they don't look the same. To me. Shit. Let me just do a quick fact check. Jojo's... <laughs> Jojo's World. Checking the facts on James Bond since 2017. Immediately dating the episode. Because he did play Jaws. No, that was Richard Dawson Keel. Ah, of course it was. How tall is Jaws' actor? He weighed up to 300 pounds. That's what Google says. <laughs> So, hang on, let me get this right. How tall was he? 300 pounds? Up to 300 pounds. Oh, sorry, pounds. up to 300 pounds. Yeah, that, that answers my question perfectly. <laughs> yep, yep. Today we watched uh, the 32 at 32nd episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusaders, the 58th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Total, and the 8th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Stardust Crusaders Battle in Egypt, entitled you know we... Sets Alessi. You know, we forgot our intros. Did we, though? Yeah. Or did I just move it backwards? It covers uh, <laughs> chapters 204 through 207 of the manga. I'm Liam S. Smith, reporting from JoJo's World. I'm Nick Ballantyne, also reporting from JoJo's World. So, Nick? Sunny weather? Yep. Set to Lessie? It's springtime, when a young man's fancy turns to love. Oh, God. You're really gonna Maybe this. too young oh. for certain circumstances. Okay, look. Look. This entire episode... Nick, what are your preliminary thoughts on this episode? I'm fine with it. I'm okay with this episode. You don't seem so okay with this this episode. This is maybe my least favourite episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. Alright. That's a bold claim. Now, we like to keep things positive here. (laughs) So I'm going to... You know, I'm going to draw attention to the things in this episode I like, and there are some. But there's also (laughs) some some right bullshit (laughs) that I really wish wasn't in the show. Just, you know... There's a good, I don't know, 20% that I enjoy. And we're going to focus only on that, you know? (laughs) So. (laughs) So. It's 9am. Well, first we have the OP. Oh, sorry. It's not 9am yet. And you you were astonished to remark that uh, that there's no cold open this time. We're just getting right into the action. Yeah. Normally there's like a little intro to remind us, oh, they're the bad guy. Oh, they've just arrived in Luxor. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Anything. I suppose if this episode wasn't taking the format that it is, uh, it could have conceivably started with either Joseph and Avdol returning from their previous bullshit or the gang arriving somewhere new. Who knows? Anything. Anything could happen. But the narrator informs us that we're about to go back in time a small while. Oh, how long? It's just before 9am. Oh, wow. That is a, that is small. Yeah, because it was just after 9am previously. Huh, how interesting. Yeah. So while Joseph and Avdol are off having their magnetic adventure with Mariah, Jojo and Polnareff get up to some bullshit. So I think before we do anything with them, there's these kids playing in the mud? Yeah, um, Polnareff is watching these kids play just in the mud next to the road, playing a surprisingly elaborate game of, I guess, house or something. I mean, it's more like Housewives of the Mud. Yeah, real Housewives of the Luxor Dirt Pit. <laughs> so, one of them... I think my favourite bit was when they deceive one of the girls into drinking bourbon that is effectively mud yeah. at night. Uh, it morning. was uh, bourbon, whiskey and soda on the rocks. Ah, uh, of course. 
And it's only 9am. So these kids, (laughs) with their elaborate knowledge of spirits and cocktails. (laughs) I mean, all kids in Egypt, you know, they all have an elaborate knowledge of bourbon, whiskey on the right. Dad's a bartender, he teaches me. He also happens to be an Egyptologist. Okay, sure. I don't know. You drank it so quickly. Oh, yes. My husband's on a business trip and won't be home for a week. (laughs) Oh, it's so hot today. Why don't you stay a while and we can drink some bourbon whiskey? But there's people to be killed. I'm Blanche Dubois. (laughs) Don't look at me in this harsh light. Just pour me another bourbon whiskey, but I never touch the stuff. I've always... Have some cake. I've always relied on the kindness of Egyptian gods. (laughs) Bonner is just watching them being like, ah, kids are so innocent as they're role-playing this woman who's off getting into infidelity while her husband's away or something. So young. So innocent. And our our stream goofed up somehow here because the way it initially played was it was Polnareff going, kids are so innocent. Cut to Jojo saying, it's almost 9am. Joseph and Abdullah late. And then Polnareff says, kids are so innocent. (laughs) And for a moment, I thought that was just him having a one-track mind. But then the, the next shot repeated itself too. So yeah, I was like, it's broken. And then Liam started laughing. And I went, wait, is this part of the episode? Is this real? Is this? Because I, I was looking down, taking notes when it, when it initially cut back to it. So yeah. it, it, um. Oh, yeah. right. So you didn't get the first kids are so innocent. I did. Oh. I thought that was just Polnareff being Polnareff. Oh, okay. All right. So they, they, they decide that because they're late. I don't know. Maybe a stand user's attacked them. Does that sound crazy? Look, I don't want to say no, but yes. I mean, there's no, there's no precedent for it, let's be honest. <laughs> Someone going off alone and being attacked? Mm, considering they're wanted targets, it seems unlikely they'd be attacked, you know? <laughs> like, we're not, we're not here looking for trouble, as mm. it were. Mm. We're just here in Egypt having a good time, going to kill a vampire. We don't want trouble. We just I'm want... not here looking for trouble. I'm just doing the Stardust Shuffle. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. So they're, they're like, okay, let's go, let's go look for them. Come on, Iggy. When Iggy, Iggy runs off. Rough, rough. I'm uh, a dog. Oh, well, I guess he'll sort himself out. No reason we should look after our cunning and dangerous dog in the middle of the Egypt streets. Rough, I'm a dog. I'm fucking off by. <laughs> he leaves. We see the footsteps of a bad guy watching them. <gasps> oh my. We can tell he's a bad guy because it was an ominous step into the foreground of the shot. And also he just... He the thing about menacing The thing about characters you should pay attention to in Jojo yeah. is they, in both posture and dress, are crazy. <laughs> they are. They really are. And this guy... Okay, when I first saw him, I was confused. I was petrified. Now, I don't know what the rest of the words of that song are. Oh, I mean, you already did... got them I wrong. I already got them wrong. So I'm just going to keep going with this joke. So there's this guy. There's this guy. He's wearing... What's that from the, the bottom? He's wearing, bottom. like, boots. Yeah, he's wearing kind of... Steel cap boots, perhaps? Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. They're definitely boots. Yeah. Uh, He's then got white sort of fisherman's pants, like really baggy trousers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the kind you would wear if you were running around in Japan, maybe, as like a construction worker. They're like really baggy. Okay, that seems awfully specific. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, And then above that, he's wearing a purple jacket. Yeah, with sort of... I think it's a blue and white striped shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, out there, mm-hmm. very vibrant. But, you know, that's not really the most noticeable thing about him. Oh, isn't, isn't it just? Well, let's keep going up. He's oh. got these sunglasses on. Oh, no. I think they are, they sort of have yellow lenses. They're kind of like, 
They're like spectacles, but... Oh, what's his name? The guy from Gurren Lagann. I don't know. Kamina? Kamina, that's his name. But the, yeah. no, they're, no, they're not like that at all. They're sort of like half uh, complete. So it looks no, like half... Like Dumbledore. Yeah, like half of them has been chopped off, but they're yellow tinted. Sure. And they've got, you know, massive kind of diagonals going through. I don't think they do. Never mind then. Never mind. They don't have I diagonals. Could, I could be wrong, <laughs> but I don't think they do. Well, they've definitely got diagonal... It's like a V shape. I know that. I'm certain of that. No. It's definitely a U shape. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a giant W, almost. But you are right, they are sort of those half-moon glasses. Yeah. So, then we keep going up so, and it has... So, the hair. Yeah, the hair. We, we alluded to the hair last week, but we kind of missed an important detail. Because <laughs> it's definitely not an afro, but it's definitely not just hair. It's this split to the left and right, probably, I don't know, 30, 30 to 50 centimetres in each direction. <laughs> It's not even like an afro. It's just... It's like a mad scientist. Yeah. And also he's got bells in it. Silver bells. Yeah, silver bells are hanging from either side. Going you know, into For a guy his... with bells in his hair, he's awfully stealthy in this episode. Well, no, he's not. Cause, uh, no, because well, there, there are several times where he gets amongst it and like everyone's... true. No one hears him. Because, you know, you, you put bells on a cat so that it won't kill birds. And maybe someone tried to put bells on this guy so he'd stop killing kids. Ah, that's never going to work, though, <laughs> is it? They're always going to find a way around it, those yeah, kid killers. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he's like a Dothraki and when he's defeated, he'll take all the bells off his head. <laughs> he just takes them off and goes, and now... I die. And whoever defeats him gets all the bells from that point. And then a stand just, like, bats an eye and then engulfs him in his eyelid or something. And he shrivels away. <laughs> into the shadows. De-aging until there's nothing left. <laughs> he goes back pre-fetal He's, stage. He de-ages so much he turns into his dad. Spoiler alert, this guy's power de-ages people. Is that... Hang on. What? He turns into his dad? Is that how it works? But I digress. <laughs> Because we're not actually paying much attention to him right now. Because we're back with the dumb kids. And this new kid is around. He's like, hey guys, can I play in this elaborate fantasy world that we've created? No. Get fucked. You're too picky. You can't play with us. You shithead. And then the kids all... Actually, I'm just going to come over and play with you guys anyway. So he starts running over to this mud with bit. His, with his bucket of mud that he's bringing to augment the mud, the mud bit. Because let's be honest, if there's one thing people in a mud pit want, it's more mud. <laughs> yeah. And he just bumps right on into this... Uh, massive dude. Massive douche. <laughs> and he spreads mud over his white pants. His precious white pants. The source of his power. <laughs> so the kid falls down and he hurts himself. And, uh, and our man... Uh, we'll, we'll call him by his name Alessi, just for ease of reference. Alessi. He bends down and he's like, oh, kid, are you hurt? Are you okay? Uh, I guess I am. But you didn't cry. That's good. Yeah, I'm not a crying type of kid. So how... <laughs> sure. <laughs> how old are you, kid? And he holds up four fingers. Four, huh? What's your daddy doing? Is he at work? Uh... Red flag. <laughs> uh... Maybe... Oh, great. So your dad's off at work. Uh, what's your mum doing? Uh, uh, she's somewhere. She's, she's at home doing the laundry. You know, as, as mums do. That's a second red flag. Um, what, where is this going, big guy? He loses his temper and kicks the crap out of this kid. We get some tasteful cuts to the, to the green sky <laughs> as um, we, hear, we hear smashing sounds and he, he punches this kid a few times. And he says, I guess I can, basically, he basically says, I guess I can beat the shit out of you without fear of reprisal then. Ah! Whack. How many years am I supposed to wait before you can pay off my dry cleaning bill? No. <laughs> so the kid runs away crying. Yep. I think. 
Mm-hmm. And then we get the shot that we briefly saw at the end of the last episode, where Alessi is, he says, uh, Maria's off fighting Joseph and Avdol, and I shall kill Jodoro and Polarev. They are strong, so I will use whatever underhanded methods I need to. Very good, me. Which the narrator informs us is his catchphrase. I don't know if we needed to be informed of this catchphrase. Yeah. But to be fair, I now notice it a lot more. He also informs us that um, this is Alessi, and that uh, his stand uh, signifies Set, the god of storms and violence. Which explains why he's punching kids. Sure, yeah. Now, this seems like an appropriate time to delve into uh, Set. Set. And Alessi. And Alessi. The god of storms and violence and also kind of a douche. (laughs) Respectively. Sure. So, Set. Who is Set? Set is the Egyptian god of uh, the desert, storms, disorder, violence, and foreigners. Foreigners? Mm. Oh. How does that work as a god? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, there are saints, so basically anything you can imagine. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Set had a positive role where he was employed by Ra on his solar boat to repel Apep, the Serpent of Chaos. Sidebar, I'm very excited to read that because uh, I listened to the Flophouse episode about that bad movie, Gods of Egypt, and they were talking about how there was this dumb subplot about how Ra would hang out on his boat every night and shoot lasers at this space snake to keep it from devouring creation, and they were like, I don't know if this is actually Egyptology or not. It's actually Egyptology. I'm excited to learn it's actually Egyptology. Wow. That's still really dumb. Yep. <laughs> but that makes it even better. Yeah. He was the lord of the, the red desert and uh, the balance to Horus's role as lord of the black uh, soil. Huh. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah. His symbol is the war scepter. Sorry, the was scepter. The was? Yeah. It's, it's that sort of... Um, oh. The scepter with this... It almost looks like it has a sort of... Um, like a shepherd's hook kind of thing. Yeah. But then with a bit on it. But you, And you often see it sort of stylized with like maybe eyes on the front. Yeah. Not, not unlike Jafar's snake scepter. Oh. <laughs> you know Jafar? Oh, I know Jafar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the set animal. The set animal? Yes, the set animal, with which he was often depicted with the head of. You mean a bird? No. You see, the set animal is not an animal, but is an animal that people aren't entirely sure what it was in this day and age. Oh. Wait, as an Egyptologist don't know? Or... Today, there is a general agreement among Egy- Egyptologists that it was never a real creature and existed only in ancient Egyptian imagination. Okay. In recent years, there have been many attempts by zoologists to find this animal in nature, while whether or not the animal existed is currently unknown. It had much significance for the Egyptians. So the set animal may never have actually existed in the first place. That's what they, uh, but contend. Usually depicted as a slender canid, like a greyhound or a jackal, with a stiff tail, often forked at the end, uh, which stand up straight at an angle, whether it's uh, sitting, standing or walking. Its ears are also erect, usually depicted as squarish or triangular, narrowest at the base and widest at the squarish tops, and a long nose, often with a slight downward curve, normally depicted as, a, as black but may have been reddish. Usually depicted at rest, lying down or seated, the shape of the animal's head often resembles a giraffe, causing confusion between the two signs. General body shape is that of a canine. Many, Wikipedia note who, agreed that the creature had an aardvark's head, a jackal's front parts, and the backside of a donkey. Huh. That... My mind has actually just been blown. <laughs> so it was just an imaginary creature. Yeah, or so they say. Or so they think. Other animals sacred to set included the antelope, hippopotamus, wild boar, crocodile, and scorpion, all of which represented strength, power, protection, or wildness. Huh. Huh. Oh my god. Do you reckon it could Nick's just be- Next world come crumbling to hell. It is! So it could just be a hybrid of different animals. Like a chimera. Yeah, except with a 
jackly form. Maybe. Ooh. I'm no Egyptologist, as we've well established. <laughs> Nor am I. Welcome to JoJo's World, where we know nothing about Egypt, but a lot of things about other stuff. Do we? <laughs> Debatably so, Liam. Now, Debatably um, so. the stand set, or Sethan, as I've also seen it referred to. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what our man Araki has to say about it. Because, uh, spoiler alert, the stand's power is to be a shadow that turns people into kids. <laughs> For a second I thought you were going to say, spoiler alert, Araki wrote Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> Ooh. He's like Banksy. <laughs> no one really knows who he is, we just know exactly who he is. I've turned people into magnets and into kids. Its design comes from the Nazca lines and the opening to the anime Tetsujin 28 Go. Seeing that shadow stretch across skyscrapers left a deep impression on me. Huh. Now, are you familiar with the Nazca lines, Nick? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, the Nazca lines are a series of uh, sort of giant carvings in Peru. In Peru? Yeah, which you see from the sky and form the shapes of animals and, and junk. Here's a picture of one. Oh, whoa. Is that just like a field or is that... Yeah, basically, or... Not a field per se, but, you know, land. Yeah. Oh, damn. You know, it's basically line work in the earth on a massive scale. <laughs> so that you can see it from the sky. Yeah. Anime fans may remember an episode of Cowboy Bebop in which a satellite with lasers is creating new Nazca lines. Huh. Huh. How would they even plan that? I don't know, man. Damn. Pretty cool, though. Yeah, no, that's fucking awesome. This picture here looks a bit like a lemur, I guess, with a curled tail yeah, and a yeah. monkey-like body. Yeah. Oh, damn. Inspiration for uh, for set? I don't see how, but yeah, that's right. I guess, I guess because of that elaborate shadow shape it takes. I guess, yeah. Or it's like stretching, but yeah. at the same time, okay. No. Yeah, Rocky, you got Who some... can fathom the creative mind? <laughs> not I, sir, not I. Now our boy, uh, Alessi, the user of the stand set. With the mad hair and the mad bells. Yes, the man we've spent plenty of time... <laughs> Now, I, I do think as much as I dislike a lot of the contents of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the link between his power and his personality is really solid in a writing sense. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because as they very firmly establish very quickly that his basically his whole personality, certainly in an aggressive sense, is based around picking on people who are weaker than him. Mm. And his power specifically exists to make people who might be stronger than him weaker than him. Yeah. He likes to pick on people and be violent. Yeah. And I hadn't remembered it going into the episode, but he actually gives like a small monologue about how much, how much he loves picking on the weak. Yeah. And he does have a weird obsession with being an adult. Yeah. <laughs> like We'll get um, to that in due course. Yes. <laughs> Alessi is named after the Alessi brothers. I never would have seen that no. coming. Are you familiar with them? I've heard of them. Okay. They're the identical twin brothers, Bill Alessi and Bob Alessi. Nice. Or Billy and Bobby, as they're also known. Yep. Uh, they're an American duo. The only song of theirs that I can remember hearing off the top of my head is that they wrote Saving the Day for Ghostbusters. Whoa, what? Saving the Day? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Apparently they also did a song recently for that movie Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay, I think that... I'm just shrugging here. <laughs> sure. That was that um uh, that New Zealand film that was got, oh! got a lot of buzz in the last year or so. Where he goes out with his teacher or his uncle or something. That sounds right. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But I, I've, only, I've only heard good things about it. Yeah. Dope. Yeah, that's Alessi. That's the Alessi brothers. Yeah. Polarif and Jojo go back to the hotel room and have a hunt around and they're all, Hey guys, are you in here? No. Are you in the bathroom? No. Oh, that's suspicious. This was fruitless and suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Iggy's having a little micro adventure. <laughs> this is amazing. So our man Iggy, the dog. 
He's hungry. Yeah. He's on the prowl. And he sees this very well-dressed man with a handsome moustache walking by talking to a lady. And this man is eating a what he refers to as a delicious kebab sandwich. Oh man, I love kebab sandwiches. And so does he. But he's, his ire is raised when, when a small Boston Terrier, an American gentleman, if you will, <laughs> leaps through the air and snatches that precious life-giving kebab sandwich from his hands. Is gallantry dead? Or has the definition merely shifted? For dogs. <laughs> Iggy grabs his sandwich and runs away and the man is angry and chases after him but we never see him again. That thieving mutt! Iggy runs through some alleyways and we see him threading his way through the streets and uh, as he stops to eat he becomes aware of a bit of a commotion nearby. So he kind of slowly and steadily walks on through this alleyway mm. and sees... A little bit of Mariah with uh, yeah. Joseph he, he and Abdul. wanders on into the climax of the last episode. <laughs> and I, yes, I, I remember when we watched watching last week, I, I was thinking, I'm sure there's a scene where Iggy comes upon this and then just wanders away. But, and then no. Yeah, I completely no. forgotten that it happens in this sort of semi-flashback state so it, of this episode. It's the point where um, Mariah is like, aha, Hermit Purple can barely defend yeah. itself. You haven't cornered me, I've cornered you because power lines. Iggy's like... And then we watch a bit of that all over again. Yeah, Iggy just kind of looks at it and goes... Huh. Okay. And just walks away. Later, dog. He just walks away. Literally later, dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's basically a wrap on Iggy for this episode. Yep. Never see him again. Yeah. So, Jojo and Polnareff have taken to the streets to have a hunt around for their missing friends who may be in danger. <gasps> oh, no. And Polnareff becomes aware that our man Alessi is walking behind him... Basically, every time Alessi's introduced in a scene so far, he's just oozing menacing katakana. Yeah, there's a lot of menacing mm. shit. <laughs> so Polnareff becomes aware, because how could he not with all this katakana flying around, that this guy's following them and glaring at them. I think he looks back three times. Yeah. And only on the third time does he go, hmm. Yeah, and uh, hmm. stare comes off Polnareff. So Alessi kind of looks a bit flustered. Yeah, he starts playing the fool. He goes, oh, a fool. oh no, have I, have, I, have I dropped a coin here? Oh, oh, my precious coin. My precious antique coin. I can use those antique coins to open cages in Resident Evil 7. I could go visit Time Zone and play two games with my one coin, unless they've jacked up the prices again. Two games for one coin? I know, I know. Right? That's a bargain. It is. I think last time I went to one of those arcades, they use... Um, like cards? Yeah. Yeah. That's how they do it now. <sighs> Bastards. <laughs> The weird thing that about this scene to me is that he's not leaning down. He's just looking. He's not even looking. He's just scraping oh, the ground. My coin. Yeah, he's uh, scraping the ground with his foot. Uh, he's going, oh, is it there? Like, who searches for a coin? Maybe he's far-sighted. He does have those glasses on. It's true. Or is it near-sighted? I always get confused. Uh, well, either or. The one where you have trouble focusing on things close to you. I think it'd be far-sighted then. Surely. I should know this. It seems like something that you would want to know. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, I'm no, optro I'm no optometrist. I'm no optometrist. <laughs> Look, I'm no Egyptologist, but I know nothing about eyes, okay? So, um, <laughs> is basically saying, hey, stop following us, we know you're following us. And Alessi goes, oh, I, I found, found my coin, won't need to follow you anymore. Ah, that's, that's convenient. I can sense your murderous intent from your evil eyes. All right, bitch, let's do this. <laughs> what, me? Eyes? I got my eyes from my parents. How could they be murderous? Okay. <laughs> oh, the best line. I, aren't I such an innocent idiot? Oh. So Polnareff keeps staring him down. Yeah. Time to find out if you're a stand user or not. Get him, Silver Chariot. Silver Chariot busts out, looking like a baller. And as he gets close, 
Alessi's shadow, which we'd previously seen, has gross flesh eyes. <laughs> which I didn't fully understand when I saw it, and mm-hmm. I still don't understand now that Rushes it's out from Alessi's feet, and Polariff jumps into the air, and they sort of have a moment of eye contact. <gasps> oh, Did their touches... Wait, what? Their shadows touch? Yep, but only for the briefest of instants. And Polariff jumps out of the way. There's this cool moment here where... Unless he is striking, he's like a really sort of minimalist JoJo pose where he basically just has his hand on his hips and he like his chest thrust out. But they they give us some, a katakana off it, so you know it's a good pose. And that katakana is the sound effect Zawoo. Oh yeah, the Zawoo. <laughs> yeah. What does Zawoo even mean? It's just a sweet sound effect. Zawoo. Yeah. Zawoo. That's the sound it makes when you strike that pose. Zawoo. Have you seen um that SNL short with Sergio, the sax guy? I can't remember. He's basically, there's this guy who gets cursed by a gypsy and he gets cursed by a sax man who randomly like pops up. And every time he does, he just looks at the camera and goes, Sergio. And then it goes to a new scene. So there's like one. A, like, like a new skit? Yeah. Okay. So there's, well, not a new skit, but like a new chapter in this guy's okay, life. Right. So maybe he's in a job interview and he's like, I think we can have a really good thing if we just do this. And then the sax guy busts in and everyone gets distracted huh. by him and he goes, why are you doing this? And looks at the camera and goes, Sergio. And every time it's that same sax riff. That reminds me a bit of the, um, you've probably seen this, the, uh, I think it's called the incredibly slow murder with an incredibly yes. impractical weapon. Yes. With in the which spoon. The, the, the demon, <laughs> Gino Sagi or whatever it's called, yeah. hits him with a spoon for years until he dies. Yeah. I believe they they were kickstarting. I don't know how it went. An actual production of that movie. They, but that was a fake trailer for. Yeah, they did try it. I don't think it went through. Okay. Or maybe it did. They've done some other shorts and stuff in that, that lore oh now God. too. Oh, God. It's just more murders or... I think they did like uh, the character taking YouTube suggestions on ways he could defeat it. and <laughs> Where it's just the spoon keeps hitting there him. There was a the spoon side. versus spoon short where he tried to hit him with his own spoon. <laughs> How did that uh, go for him? Well, it ended up with the, the guy having two spoons. Oh, no. <laughs> Double the power. <laughs> anyway, that, that's a good uh, joke about horror movies and stuff. That's a good dated thing. We're dating this episode a lot, mm. but that's good. Well, not really. It's already quite old. Oh, it's really also, old. Also, yeah. whenever you said dated then, the two times you said it, you looked at where a, ri- a watch would be on your wrist and you aren't wearing one. And also watches don't... Gen- aren't generally what you go to for the date, though I, I understand many have that capability. Hey man, look, if I wanted a watch that I can read the date off that is invisible, I will wear that watch, okay? Our listeners don't know what I'm wearing right now. I could be wearing anything. You Nothing be- at all. Nothing, Nothing at all. all. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, unless he runs away, and Jodoro jo- uh, Polnareff says, uh, Jodoro, he's running this way, let's get him. Jodoro turns around, doesn't, Can't doesn't see Polnareff. What he's gone. And I actually really like this shot. This is sort of it's kind of a more artful cinematography than you generally get in Jojo, even with its wild colour shifts and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a first person shot from Polnareff's perspective as he's chasing Alessi through the streets. Oh this. And sort of vaguely shaky cam, we occasionally see his arms stretching out and he- ahead of him. Mm. Um, and that just seems very novel to do like in an animation. Because mm. it's combining that like CG background moving kind of scene mm, it's sort of you know i don't know if i have a hundred percent correct understanding of what this is but it vaguely reminds me of rotoscoping rotoscoping which is that sort of primitive form of animation where things are sort of very um like loosey-goosey and also they seem to come forwards towards the camera a lot sure i'm willing to believe that just the way the perspective shifted and it sort of reminded me of that mm. uh, and then as he runs around a corner suddenly his perspective seems to get a lot lower. What? What's going on there? What's going on with his voice? It seems a lot higher yeah. than usual. And also, 
Unless he's getting so much faster all of a sudden. The hell? So unusual. Man, why has this alley gotten so big? Yeah. He runs around the corner and bumps into a huge guy. Man, this guy's massive. And that guy's like, hey, that's dangerous. If you run around in the road like that, you'll get hit by a car. And Polymer says, shut up, dumbass. I'm running after someone. <laughs> so this guy picks him up, Darth Vader style, by the scruff of his neck. Ah! Or the, the shirt front. And... Polaref's monologue is all about how, how tall is this guy? He's huge. Get a load of him, eh? He must be 30 feet tall. And this, this guy, he goes from being responsible and caring to us, an errant child, to very aggressive very quickly. Well, if you got he's, called he's a... shirt-fronted him, and then we get another tasteful cutaway so we don't see how this kid beats, how this guy beats Polaref. To be fair, if you got called a dumbass by a kid, you'd beat him down. No, I wouldn't. Well, things we learned about Liam today. You can't just go around beating up kids. Can't you? Oh, this is news to me. Radio. (laughs) Anyway, then a dog gets in his face. That's pretty cool. The dog's huge. Uh, Then a cyclist almost runs him over. Oh, what a conundrum. He's really just... You know, for a grown adult, he's having a hard time. Mm. Oh, hang on a minute. What's that reflection in the window? It's hard to make out why there's so much dust in the window. Why is it moving at exactly the same rate I am? I better go check it out. So Polnareff wipes down the screen with his tiny baby hand. (laughs) Because he's a tiny baby. Oh my god, he's a child. I'd probably put him about the same age as that kid that Alessi beat up earlier. Yeah, four years old. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. (laughs) Four years old while looking about nine. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, I'm a kid. And then we cut to commercial and he comes back and he's like, I'm a kid. Oh, no. If I'm a kid, I need to... (gasps) So he's sitting there in these clothes, which, you know... Are baggy. They are oversized, but they're not as oversized as I would expect. No, you'd think that Polnareff is a big dude. But you know what it could be? Polnareff is a big dude, but he does wear very tight clothing. That is true. So maybe it's just sort of compensating. (laughs) Like, if, if he was, you know... 10 or whatever, a few years older than he's meant to be, that would be, you know, fitting like a normal person would wear clothes. <laughs> or it's slightly loose, but not too loose. Yeah. yeah. But this is just. Yeah. Ooh. It's, a, it's, it's a little, little rascals. Yeah. Just a little bit. He's missing a shoe at this point as well, after he got shook down by mm. the massive guy. By Mr. Shakedown. By Mr. Shakedown. Yeah. So, as he's going, oh no, I'm a kid. This is bad. His shadow must have touched my shadow and that must have been his stand. Oh, cunning. Of course. Why didn't I see this coming? I think at this point Jotaro walks yeah, past. Yeah, just wanders past them. Huh. Where's Polnareff gone? Huh, unusual. Hey, yeah. Jack, Jackie. Jackie. Juno. You ever watched Jackie Chan Adventures? I did. Good show. What a show. Good show. Power of the Dragon. Talisman Heat. Uncle was also in it. Jackie Chan. Jade Chan, his nephew. Niece, that's the word I'm looking for. Not niece or nephew. Hey, his niece. Uh, and Toru, the big guy. Toru was his name. Yeah, I was a big Jackie Chan Adventures booster as a God kid. Damn. You see, there was this dragon called Shen Long, or is that the name of the dragon in how many, Dragon Ball Z? How do you memorize all of this? Was it Shenru? Shenru, I think. Who was an evil demon dragon, and he made these talismans from his body because he was trapped in a statue, but the talismans had his powers in them, and he gave them to this evil crime crime organization called the Dark Hand to release him. How do you remember? I can't even remember what Jackie Chan Adventures was about, let alone... Well, there's this guy called Jackie Chan C. Yeah. And he's an archaeologist. Oh. But he's not just a boring archaeologist. He's a, um... He's Indiana Jones. (laughs) Yeah. He's a kung fu... 
archaeologist with a lot of sort of adventures that involve certainly at least um, Western perceptions of Chinese mysticism. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that seems. <laughs> and of course, Jackie is um, Chinese himself, so there's probably at least a degree of authority. There was a very good episode that spooked me as a kid where they got into a fight with one of those Chinese vampires that eats your chi. What? The Chinese vampires that eats your chi? Yeah. You mean, what? You know, it doesn't eat your blood, it eats your chi. No. What? Okay, well, that's a thing. Oh, okay. That's a thing. Um, in certain mythology, they hop. Okay. You know those Chinese hopping vampires? No. No. Uh, what? I didn't even know that. You knock over a bag of rice and they have to count all the rice and they can't move on. How do I not know about this? Sidebar, I'm making a character for a vampire RPG tonight, and uh, there's a mechanic in that called Banes, where if you want to avoid like taking some damage or whatever, you can select a Bane, which is like a permanent debility in line with traditional vampire lore. You're like, you know, not being able to... Walk into houses uninvited yeah, and stuff like that. or go into a church at all. So I'm thinking if I ever need to pick a Bane, I might, need a, I might pick Needs to Count All the Rice. <laughs> Are you like Rain Man where you can immediately do it? Or are you just there going... No, like one, one two, two... That'd be great. Yeah. Just grind the session to a halt. And be like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, guys. Can you get me some real rice so I can roleplay this properly? <laughs> you count a number... One, two... If you distract me, I'll need to start over. I don't want to risk it, guys. I don't want to risk it. The pitfalls of being a vampire. Classic vampire pitfalls. So he's wearing these baggy clothes and sees Jotaro walk past. Yeah. Jackie... Jackie! Um, I can't remember his name. Why can't I remember his name? Now, even though it doesn't work out, I think both these guys are acting as sensibly as they could in this situation. Mm. Jodoro immediately asks, Hey, have you seen Polnareff? He's a French guy. He looks has hair like you. He's like, yay high. And this and, kid goes, Hey, it's me. I'm I'm Polnareff. So, obviously, obviously So, you know, I think for both those two sentences they are both doing the oh why didn't you just do that sort of line of behaviour yeah but then it doesn't work because why would Jotaro think this kid is Polnareff certainly not certainly there could never be a stand that de-ages people no they can't what are you talking no they can't be this makes no sense <laughs> so he, he says asking a kid was a mistake and keeps going yari, yari. and then who should step in front of him Alessi oozing menace <laughs> Alessi, the oozing menace. The oozing menace. Ah, your body and mind will, uh... Well, your body is reverted to a child's and soon your mind will as well. That's why you can't remember Jojo's name. But I didn't say his name because then you would would remember it. No, that means that... And then you could call him for help. That means I'm going to forget everything. (gasps) It's his right. I am forgetting. Oh, good acting. There's some weird lines happening. Unless he gives his monologue about how much he loves picking on the weak. Very good, me. Very good, me. Yeah. He loves that line. So, yes, I, I, I took some notes of the speech here. Okay. I'm not letting you pass. I can't say this too loudly. Picking on the weak makes me feel good. I'm pretty messed up. But if you think you're weird, you're not really weird. That not that right? Anyway, I won't lose to some kid. No, no one says, if you think you're weird, you're not really weird. Pretty sure you're weird, Alessi. Yeah, that's... That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Polnareff tries to call her to help to, for Jotaro, to Jotaro, for help. Uh, <laughs> but he gets cut off by getting kicked in the head super hard. Yep. Alessi is an asshole. Yep. They duck around the corner and we see that he's um through the, the, the strap that goes, the shoulder strap on Polnareff's tank top thingy. <laughs> he's stuck him on a pipe coming out of a wall. And he can't get himself off. Yeah. He's stuck. And uh, Alessi... It's being strangely practical for a stand user. He just pulls out a gun and a silenced pistol and is like, well, time to kill you. So he puts the silencer on, aims up, and shoots Polnareff. 
But contrary to what Whole Horse taught us, <laughs> the sword is mightier than the gun. Ah! The silver chariot comes out and deflects them their bullets. Oh, what a cunning plot twist! But plot twist on top of plot twist. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. Silver chariot's also a baby. <gasps> oh no! And he says, "Pummy, pummy," because uh, you know how silver chariot can talk. Uh, uh, sure, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious as to what, if anything, that could be on a matter for. I think you know, it's just baby sounds. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Because you know, um, obviously, Japan has its own like distinct set of on a from English. Mm. But um, instead of moo, yeah, something else, yeah. In these cartoons, some of it often comes through in circumstances you wouldn't quite like a nya or whatever yeah. or pummy. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see what, if anything, that represents. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's just like Gaga for... Parmigiana. <laughs> Parmigiana. Parmigiana. Ah, uh, yep. So he's a baby. He's weak. His sword has been bent by the bullets. Oh, my mental power has reverted to childhood. So my stand has also reverted to childhood. Ah. Oh, oh, classic. Polnareff. Anyway, <laughs> the best part of the episode happens. Oh, God. <laughs> Because unless he reaches into his coat and pulls out this big dumb axe with the word... Now, you thought it was um, Roman numerals X, X and v. v, but I'm pretty sure it is just the letters A and X yeah, for cause, Axe. Yeah, because at first I was like, oh, does that just say Axe? And you were like, I think it says Axe. And then we got it upside down. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, no, it's just X and V. And then we got Which another would be, shot. what, 15? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then we got another shot, but it does just say Axe. There's a little line running yeah. through the V. And I was like, oh... Oh, okay. And um, we, we, I'm going to show you this the manga equivalent of this panel because uh, you can just see it here where you see Polnareff stuck on the ceiling um, Alessi holding his big dumb axe with the word axe on it which in this panel you can clearly see is the axe. word axe. Yeah. And then the shadow looming of because it's because uh, set is always a shadow holding its own equivalent of the axe made of shadow. And the reason I'm drawing such attention to this panel is because with the label on axe and everything it looks like a dumb newspaper political cartoon. <laughs> so you've got axe and then I don't know you write the economy on polar F, and then on the shadow you and Alessi you write turkey yeah new laws <laughs> Obama please tell me there is a meme of this somewhere yeah. where someone's changed it Obama to axe the economy it's just could you have like this guy here he's holding the axe but on it it just says like just to be political it just says Trump and then up here, America. And then over here, China. And you're like... And over here, axe. <laughs> More axe. <laughs> yeah. In fact, screw it. Just have axe there. Mm -hmm. Have axe on the axe. Have axe on Alessi. Have axe on set. Have polar axe. <laughs> that's, that's a really good polento, but it's really stupid. Thank you. Thank I you. think that should be something. Polar axe. Yeah. It sounds like, I don't know, some sort of bug overlord. I thought it sounded like a deodorant. That too, that too. Yeah. Do you want to... Get all the ladies. Yeah. Try new Polarax chariot. <laughs> it, comes, it comes in different colours that are different stands. Mm. Oh no. Polarax platinum. Polarax platinum. Polarax hermit. Ooh. Mm. Polarax magician. Yeah. Polarax red. That works. Anyway, yeah. Um, buy a deodorant. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's the best panel in this or any chapter. <laughs> Oh, man. Also, we should address the elephant in the room that there is an E in the word axe. I don't see the problem here. <laughs> I, I see no issues whatsoever with this misspelling. Just wondering, was the axe the original manga? Like, it was spelled A-X in the original manga? Yeah, look at the... Hmm. 
So is that just an attempt to spell axe in English and then misspelling it axe without the E? Look, I don't know, Nick. I'm just saying. It's brilliant. Either way. I think it would look worse if it had the E, though. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't have that same minimalist edge. Yeah. Like a sharpened axe, if you will. Mm, yeah. It's all the subtlety of a hatchet hitting your baby skull. <laughs> so. So. <laughs> he goes to try hitting this kid with an axe. And the kid with his sword. That's off his baby s- sem- Semi-successful, he blocks the axe. I mean, it does stop the axe, kind of. But also, the sword is snapped. <gasps> oh, no. And flies off, ricocheting off the wall into Alessi's neck. <gasps> and as the Anubis fight taught us, that is not a lethal wound. Ah, not a lethal wound. Yeah, Chaka survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> he probably shouldn't have, but that's, you know. But also, neither should Alessi. <laughs> and yet what happens? Alessi's fine. Well, he, he, we just, the next time we see him, he is crying. He is crying. Yeah. So he disappears for a moment and Polarif runs away and bumps into this woman. Uh, she's just an average Egyptian lady. Yeah, you know, she's wearing... Gone about her day. You know, regular... Egyptian lady yeah. clothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Egyptian lady clothing is. Certainly not from the 80s. No, certainly not. But she's wearing like a headscarf and some other stuff. Yep, as you do in yep. the desert. And she, you know, let's not mince words, kidnaps Polarif. Whoa. Whoa. True. Hey, kid, you're hurt. I'll take you back to my house and have a bath with you. Look, technically correct. This is all legal and above board, right? Hey, hey, he's only, what, four? It's totally cool. I don't know what to say to this. I don't have any kind of other thing to... I'll fix you up at my house. And freeze frame. Polnareff's internal monologue. I guess you're wondering how I got into this situation. (laughs) No, um, yep, that's me. I guess you're wondering how I got here. And then we just have... And then we go back to the start of the episode. Yeah, that's it. Uh, no, um, freeze frame. I guess I'll go. He disappeared when an adult showed up, so maybe that'll give me time to figure out how to beat him. Hmm. Sound logic. Oh, I forgot. You're hurt. Grab on. Oh, man. She smells nice. Cut to Alessi hiding around the corner. Big, big wound in his neck from a sword. I'm gonna get him, I will. It hurts. It really hurts. Yeah. Damn it. Not gonna let him get go after that. For my pride as an adult, I'll beat him to death. Now, this is one of the many instances where he seems very obsessed with being an adult. Yeah. Well, he can't let a kid show him up. How would his pride as an adult survive that? This sounds like the Sandlot Kids, where... I know what that is. What is that? It's like a baseball movie. Oh, is it kind of like the Bad News Bears? Mm -hmm. Is the Sandlot Kids about kids who go into, like, proper baseball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they have a Sandlot that they practice on, and there's a dog next door that's like this giant monster dog or something. (laughs) Most of my conception of baseball movies is A, Field of Dreams, and B, the baseball subplot in the Richie Rich movie. (laughs) How is that the go-to baseball? It's the only baseball movie I watched as a kid. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I remember I used to, like, almost be obsessed with Sandlot Kids, and yet I can't remember a single thing that happened. (laughs) I'm going to guess they play some baseball. They do play some baseball. I think maybe three times in the whole film. There's a lot of running as well. But this is Jojo. And there's no baseball in There's no baseball here. There's only kidnapping and child murder, potentially. And we, we have to discuss this we part. We have to go the, through it now. Disca- discuss this part of the episode and I fucking hate it. Go on. So they get back to this woman's house. Yeah, I'll help you through this. You ever think fun. about how... This is well-trod comedic territory. But you uh-huh. ever think about how that woman who wants to have sex with a Tom Hanks in Big must have been like really fucked up at the end of it if she was like, oh... 
He was a child. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen... Okay, so Big is a movie where a kid goes to a Zoltan machine. Or is it Zartan? One of those is a bad guy from G.I. Joe and one of them is this machine. Okay. And puts a coin in it and makes his wish and he says, I want to be big. And then he wakes up the next day and he's Tom Hanks. <laughs> okay. All right. Not actor. No, not, he's not real life actor Tom Hanks. He is... He's just He's, he's an adult man who is played by Tom Hanks. Right. Okay. And so he doesn't have the notion of responsibility or what it is yeah, to be an adult. He's been bigged. Right. It's kind of like being Freaky Friday, but without a switch. Yeah. Or it's kind of like... um. If you were just born and you had a curious case of Benjamin Buttons. <laughs> but the curious case of Benjamin Button makes you go backwards in age. Yeah. So does that mean that he's starting off as an adult and now, he's going to be a kid later? We are going on a bit of a tangent here, granted. Yeah. When Benjamin Button was born... Yes. Was he a tiny old man? Or a grave? So he, yeah, he would have been a tiny old man. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So before he died, mm-hmm. was he a really big baby? I would think so, yeah. I mean, it would only make sense. Unless he died before his time. Yeah, if he died as like a two-year-old kid or something. No, I mean like if he got hit by a car when he was like... Six. Six, which would have been like 58 or something. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's fair. I guess. Man, what a curious case. That is a curious case. That is curious, yeah. Sort of curious case you might find on a certain bizarre adventure. Oh, do tell. Well, uh, there's this stand that makes people age backwards. What? Anyway, the curious case of Jean-Paul (laughs) Polnareff. So, we go back to this lady's... Jean-Pierre, place. fuck! Jean-Pierre Polnareff. That's his name. Indeed it is. Yeah. Not Jean-Paul. Sartre. Sartre. I have no idea where we're going with this. Neither. Well, let's just get it over with. Okay, so she get, they go back to the place and she's like, Wow, kid, you need to take a bath. Come into the bathroom with me. Take off your clothes. I'll put on this sexy ne- negligee. No, it's not sexy negligee. It's things that don't, you know, necessarily matter if they get wet or dirty. It's like a lace nighty. Yes, it is sexy, but that doesn't mean it has to Tie be up my sexy. Hair. Oh, take off your clothes. Oh, you don't want to take off your clothes? I'll take off your clothes for you. Oh, oh, what's that? Polnareff is like, oh, I don't know what's going on because I only have a child's conception of sexuality, but I feel like this would be really good. That's what kids do. <sighs> then... <laughs> Go on. It just keeps going and getting worse. So then basically... Because he's like, oh, oh, I don't understand why my penis is so small. That makes me sad. And then she's like, oh, you've got dirt on your wee-wee. I better clean it for you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this makes me happy for reasons I can't comprehend or articulate. And we just spent a long time with him with a goofy smile on his face, fondling her breasts as she washes him. It's fucked up. I mean, it sounds like a good time all around if you stop fetishizing it. I'm not. (laughs) They are specifically, like, drawing... Comparisons between... Drawing attention to the fact that he is a child, Mm -hmm. doesn't really understand sexuality because of his child's mind, but Mm -hmm. is, like, has vestigial memories of, like, wanting to have sex with this woman. Yeah, yeah. It's messed up. Messed up as it may be, but certainly funny. No. (laughs) And... Some of the people give the the entirety of this episode similar grief with mm. um, sort of the vulnerability that comes from being a child being kind of creepy with the way Alessi preys on that. But I yes. feel like from a sort of horror perspective, that really works. And I think that's quite solid. Mm. Uh, and spoiler alert, there's going to be more of that in the next episode. Yeah, because it's um, a kid. It's more the, oh, there's dirt on your wee-wee yeah. specifically. Just don't. Literally any other body part would be fine. But you're just like, oh, no. And also, like, Polnareff, like, motorboating her as well is fucking weird. <laughs> true, true. You do have to remember, though, 
This is from Japan, where sensibilities are a little bit weirder than they are in the West. Because, you know, back in, like, ancient Japanese times... Tangent! Back in ancient Japanese times, they would just, like, walk around naked doing whatever they wanted. And it wasn't until the Christian missionaries came I don't in. know if that's true. It is! There's, like, you had this divide between... Uh, the Western sensibilities of, like, Christianity and bringing in, like, oh, you can't be naked, that's embarrassing, like, that sort of thing. And ancient Japan that were like, why would I wear a top? It's hot out. Fuck you. I'm just gonna, like, waltz around. That's not- that's different from being a child being completely naked. Like, I don't, I don't want to dwell on this anymore. It's <laughs> not good for the positivity of our show. It's my least favourite part of JoJo. All can, right. can we just move on? Alright, fine. Fine. Great. <laughs> G- good. Wonderful. Excellent. I'm, I'm glad we had this little talk. <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page about not fetishizing children. Jesus Christ. So then we get a lovely lower voice. So this bit, they do, there's a bit where she's like, okay, I gotta wash your hair now. And he's like, no, I hate shampoo because I'm a kid. Great. We've moved on. Uh, oh, it'll be rock, fine. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh no, I lost. Now she's got to wash my hair. So even though they're in Egypt, it's one of those um, Japanese style bathrooms where it's just like a floor and they have a bucket of water, which, you know, fine, whatever. I can live with that. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is that normal for Egypt to have that, or is it? Normal? I have no idea what Egypt's baths are like, but I know that's how they do it in a lot of Jap- Japanese stuff. Oh, oh, okay, all right. Well, anyway, uh, so yeah, she's washing. He's like on a stoop or whatever, and <laughs> she's washing his hair, and and then we get a much lower voice. We, no, we have a sudden shot of um, a shadowy hand with a shadowy axe snaking under oh, the door. That's right. Yeah, and then the woman turns around, and then she's washing his hair. Yeah. And he's like... There's nothing there to... Okay. So the shadowy thing comes in. Yeah. And then the axe sort of starts raising. Yeah. And then cut away. And then the woman looks back and there's no axe. Let's wash your hair. Ah, I hate shampoo. Ah, Does it sting? Yeah. It stings my eyes, but I'll close them. Look, you'll be fine though, love. Do you want to wash it by yourself? Okay. Yeah. Very good. Polar F. That's right. It's me, Alessi. (gasps) I've snuck into your shower and I'm here to fuck you up. This woman is missing, probably dead. What? He raises the axe above his head. He brings the axe down towards Polnareff's head. To be continued. <gasps> Shit. Shit. There you go. That was the whole episode. Yep. 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 So what's your uh, highlight there, Liam? Oh, my highlight is definitely the big dumb political cartoon <laughs> axe scene. Just, here we go. Uh, I've basically misused my gun, so that's a shame. Oh, I better pull out this axe that I have in my jacket. <laughs> yeah. Watch it grow to twice its size as I pull it out from my, you know, it's not a trench coat. It doesn't go along his whole body. No, it's not a deus ex machina situation, all right? We know he's wearing a coat. What's underneath it? An axe. Who knows the size of that thing? Well, maybe it's telescopic. Ooh, maybe. Nick, what's your highlight of the episode? Uh, Iggy. Just fucking Iggy. That's a pretty good short film. Yeah, just the whole bit with Iggy is short enough to be its own highlight where it just waltzes Mm -hmm. around with this weird human head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just goes I got a sandwich well his his oh, okay. body his body has also already changed quite a bit to become a lot more sort of um dog like streamlined and um sort of anime-ish because if you I'll, I'll pull up what he looked like in his first appearance okay like in the anime or in the manga either or because okay. um, I thought this transition happened much later where he's sort of got this more streamlined look to him hmm. but it basically happens from like one panel to the next in the manga <laughs> uh, let me just pull up a picture of Iggy for you <laughs> As he was originally introduced. Okay. Is it a matter of... He drew it in the first panel for detail. So, like, as an intro. And then every panel after that, it's just been... 
like the Iggy that we know and love. I don't know if it's necessarily that so much as just a, a sort of evolution of character design. Because mm. remember, here's what he looked like in the first episode. Oh, yeah. Where he was like a dog. He was a massive fucking dog. And now he's... He's kind of... He's just little kind, body He's just kind head. of an anime. Yeah. He's, he's gotten a lot cuter. Mm. And here he is in the manga where he's sort of <laughs> twice as disgusting. <laughs> champion look at his little fangs <laughs> okay so three things mm-hmm. right that image there that is not a dog's okay, face this is that is actually uh, concept art from one of the video games so. all right okay so he's not a dog <laughs> but no that is from his final design where he has basically just become like a man's face on a dog's yeah. body but not in the way that that dog had a man's head you know that one dog <laughs> Oh, God. Iggy, why are you so confronting as, like, a creature? You know, it's been a while since we've even seen Iggy stand, to be honest. The fool? Yeah. Yeah, hasn't really done much with it so far. Yeah, he's more just sort of gone around being angry. I mean, it was in his introductory arc, Iggy the Fool and Gebs and Duel. Mm, And and that was it. Yeah, not really anything apart from that, as far as I can recall. I I do know there's an episode where Iggy's talking or something, so maybe we'll see him then? Maybe? Shit. The silence is not comforting. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not Iggy gets into another battle. But wait. Oh. It would be equally satisfying if he did nothing. <laughs> it's like, literally for the rest of the series. It's just, Iggy, help us. Uh, we got gum. Uh, and then he pulls out his own gum. Oh, I understand goods and services now because of how much more human I've become. <laughs> so, uh, Liam... Uh, I think I've made it blatantly obviously what my low light is. So let's gotcha. just What's yours? Um, let's, not, let's not dwell on my negativity. Hmm. Actually, this one's a bit tricky for me because I can't steal yours, but there is another very big low light, which is um, the bit after Iggy where Polnareff's starting to like turn into a kid. Oh, I like that quite a bit actually. Well, the thing is, when he's starting to like become a kid, mm-hmm. you're like, ah. Oh. This is going to be one of those episodes where nothing happens. <laughs> and then for a good 10 minutes after that, basically nothing yeah, happens. That's fair to say. I d- regarding that one sequence, though, I do feel like... Oh, yeah, the sequence is great. Um, it is great, uh, but I'm about to criticise it. Go on. I'm about to criticise it in the same... And the same criticism applies to um, many other things in, I guess, Jojo's Adventure as, as a whole, uh, but also specifically the shampooing bit at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. where it works better in the manga... Where you can't hear the voices changing until yeah, the visual yeah. reveal happens. Yeah. Because otherwise it just goes from, hey, do you want to shampoo your hair too? Hey, let's yeah. shampoo your hair. And it just goes, hey, I'm Polnareff. I'm chasing after this guy. Hey, I'm, I'm still Polnareff. Now I'm chasing yeah. after this guy. Although it is pretty funny when it happens because you go, no. Okay, so no, no. now I know what's happening. Yeah. It's like, it's a little bit more comedic. Mm, yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> Instead of deadly serious Jojo all the time. Yeah. Yep. All right, Nick. Polnareff's having the mother of all bathroom trouble. Yep. What do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3 Stardust Crusaders Season 2 Battle in Egypt in the episode entitled uh, Sets Alessi Part 2? Hmm. A very original sounding title. Well... He's got that axe coming for his head. He does have the... The thing is, last episode I thought it was just going to be he uses shadows. And no. he, he does use shadows. Technically, yes, he does. But it's not... But they're the medium rather than the message. Yeah. Whereas turning into a kid wasn't really in my ideas. Mm. Uh, so now he's got a little silver chariot with a little... Oh, sidebar, the only um, poker 
thing along those lines that we haven't mentioned is uh, Jack, where you age super fast. So I just wanted to get that reference out there. Wait, what? Jack, the movie where, what's his name, ages super fast. Also 17 again, where um, Matthew Perry turns into Zac Efron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, so many good plot ideas. Teen Wolf 2. Jesus. Anyway, you were saying, Um, baby silver chariot. Yeah, he's got a baby silver chariot, so he can probably like get the axe away from him. But the sword did break. I don't know if that has come back or not. It's, yeah, that's what it's I'm thinking. It's unclear yeah. how these things work. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because last time he did, he pick up his little thing to put back onto Silver Chariot. I think it was still in his neck when he ran away. Hmm. Weird. Well, it's either going to be he blocks it with that, mm-hmm. or he just dodges out of the way. Right. Otherwise, Polnareff is going to die, and I don't think that's going to happen. This could, could someone save him? It seems very unlikely for Jotaro to just barge in and go, I'm observant. Wait. I saw that this guy was oozing katakana, so I followed him. Yeah. What if, what if Iggy shows up? So, uh, but even that seems a bit far-fetched. No, I reckon it's going to be Polnareff blocks it, Mm -hmm. and then he's either going to grab his clothes and run out, or he's not going to grab his clothes and run out, Mm -hmm. and just going to be running through the streets, screaming, hey, help me, a guy's trying to kill me. Hey, help me, I'm a naked child. Yeah. And as anyone probably would with a naked child, you go, oh my God, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Let me help you. Uh, I'll take you back to my house and bathe you. <laughs> so, yeah, it would be hmm, it'd be a matter of trying to find either Iggy or Jotaro right. to come save yeah, the day. You think um, Avdol and jo- Joseph, we wrapped up with their magnetic adventures for the whole episode? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're probably still going to be walking back to the hotel and won't even notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they probably won't go, oh... That's Polnareff, like Jodoro. Yeah, yeah. I think Iggy would be the only one that would catch on. Because he could, he could get his scent. Exactly. Also, he's a smart dog. Like, Smarter than anyone else in the adventure, mate. <laughs> hey, dumbass, I'm a kid now. Uh, yeah. So I think Iggy will be the one to save okay. the day. But... How do you think they'll defeat him? Hmm. Just kick the crap out of him? More or less, yeah. It'll probably be a surprise attack from Iggy. More so you, than... you, don't, you think, don't think Polnareff will eventually... Get his vengeance on him? No, no, I don't think so. I think Polnareff is too much of a kid at this point to really... Or Jotaro? Mm, Maybe Iggy could get Jotaro to help out, but I don't think Jotaro will be there. I think it's just going to be an Iggy kind of thing. That's the only way I can see this going, is that Jotaro is there going, where the hell did Polnareff go? And then Iggy's like, hey, he's over here. And Jotaro goes, dumb. Bark, bark, bark. Yeah. So given that's what you're going with, let's lock that in. Okay. There is some trivia I want to share. Uh, this is something oh. that doesn't happen next time, but um, it's come up a lot in discussions of the episode. I've heard that people say, oh, that would have been an if it happened, mm-hmm. um, which is that the the idea that uh, Joseph would get caught in the shadow and de-age to his part two age for a little while. <laughs> and then we have magnificent Joseph Joseph yeah. adventure now, now times. Now, that, that doesn't happen. Mm. But um, fun bit of trivia is that um, Alessi is one of the playable characters in the... I think it's SNES era fighting game. Mm-hmm. So he can de-age other characters. No. With his power. No. So a bunch just turn into like little versions of themselves. Yeah. Um, but Joseph. Joseph is interesting because he has to be hit twice to become a vulnerable baby. And the first time he gets hit, he becomes secret character young Joseph Joe style with his own unique moveset. Oh my God. But also what's interesting is that um, various other characters, mostly villains who have less developed histories yeah. Yeah. Uh, just turn into other cameo characters for example uh, according to this Chaka or Khan you know the um, users of Anubis yep. Yep. Uh, turn into the cow that uh, gets stuck in before sinking into the river <laughs> okay. uh, Mariah turns into that old woman 
You know, that, you know that one. Yeah, the one with the forward and aggressive yeah. approach style liking. Yeah. I, I mean, what? <laughs> That's great. And those are the only examples we've mentioned other than the Joseph thing. Oh, that is great. Oh, apparently when you hit Joseph the second time, hmm. he turns into his... um design from what that one flashback when the plane crashed when those terrorists took it over oh with like the school uniform and like and reading superman comic yeah which was changed to bow in the anime <laughs> oh man I-, I like that's a lot of like sort of care but they didn't need to put that level of care into the product yeah no well i mean back in the day if you didn't then it would be a matter of well why didn't you just do this because once it's out there you can't really patch it or anything mm. whereas now you can patch things in way after the fact and it takes way longer to make anything as well all right, let's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are my feels. <laughs> I suppose I can't really criticise you for going off on an angry rant in this episode. <laughs> well, it wasn't really angry, it's just what it is. There was a great degree of bitterness to it. I mean, there is. All right, let's wrap things up. Uh, if you like the show and want to correspond with us, you can reach me at jojospodcast at gmail.com or the same on Twitter. If you want to help us grow the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes or similar platforms. Or a rate, even just a rating if a review is too much different. But if you want to write a review and uh, you're not sure what to write, just say something like... Um, Where is this going? JoJo's World Changed My Life. I never knew what it would be like to watch anime or read manga before I watched this podcast. And now I have. Thank you, JoJo's World. My family loves me again. <laughs> Can I suggest a different review? Sure. Hi, my name is... And then you put your username here. Before listening to JoJo's World, I was lost. I was petrified. But now, I'm whole again. There was a hole in my life that has been filled up by vivid colours, excessively loud voices, and now, and a, a, hole, a hole in my heart that I had a life-saving surgery to repair, and the podcast kept me company through it. <laughs> Five stars. I was under general anaesthetic. I couldn't hear a thing they were saying, but it was good. Ten out of ten. Would listen to again. If I was having heart surgery. If I got hit on the head by a coconut and lost my memory of listening to it the first time. (laughs) If I was de-aged, I would surely listen to this as it stands. Because it's for children. Because it's for children. And I'm an adult. Kind regards, Joseph Stalin. (laughs) P.S. Stop emailing me. Until next time. To to be be continued. continued.